Yeah, so we're going to start looking at Psalms. Can we uh, go to gallery? Can we turn off the spotlight? Uh, I think we're on spotlight. Something. Oh, okay, I see it. And um, so, you know, it's not going to be a comprehensive study. We're just going to pick a few kind of representative ones, uh, different types. Uh, and at least through the summer, we might go a little further with it. But um, let's do a little intro, and then we'll look at our Psalm 13 which is uh, the one I selected for today. Anybody know what the word psalm means? What the origin of the word is? What's the definition of psalms? Song. Song? Yeah, Where do you get that? How do you know that? Who told you? Because I'm smart. That's true. Smarter than the aliens. Was she actually said psalm, but it just sounded like psalm. <laughs> Well, psalm comes from the Greek word samos, and from the Korean word for lettuce, sam. Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, it's from samos, and the Hebrew, anybody know the Hebrew word? Pastor Daniel, this is being recorded. Uh-oh. <laughs> no one's going to, is anyone going to watch it? Mizmor. Mizmor is the Hebrew word for psalm. And if you translate Mizmor, it means melody. So Mire got it. Uh, it a, a song or, or melody um, is what uh, that is. Um, and um, what do uh, uh, what are some of the different types of psalms that you guys, if you had to categorize them or give them a genre? Anybody know of any? Uh, kind of re recurring uh, themes or types of psalms? David's psalms. Okay, uh, you can attribute it to uh, individuals, right? Uh, do you know uh, approximately how many of the psalms are attributed to David? No, and your questions are getting harder. Uh, over half, over half. Do, does anybody know other uh, psalm mists that are, um, uh, are, are noted? Right, Steph put Sons of Korah. That's, that's the kind of the forefather of the Koreans. Sons of Korea, Korah. Is this being recorded? Sorry. Um, Korah was one, not, and anyone else? Right, Asaph is another uh, uh, kind of contributor uh, and stuff. Uh, it's interesting because um, we know this because uh, in the original Hebrew, um, there's the superscription. So like most of our Bibles have headings, right? But the headings are supplied by the translators. They kind of are helping us out to kind of categorize chapters or sections of, of, of chapters. But the Psalms have a lot of superscriptions, which were part of the original kind of script text, and it was included and it would be considered inspired. And so they sometimes talk about who wrote it. Sometimes it talks about the occasion, like what was happening? Was it a dedication for a temple? Was it 
when David had committed a sin. You know, there's there, there's various ways to kind of try to understand what's going on. Let's talk about uh, other like uh, types of psalms, though. Belisia put down praise. Very good. Praise psalms uh, uh, where God is exalted, right? That the Lord is glorified and he is a subject matter and whoever's writing the psalm is just uh, putting God uh, uh, high and lifted high uh, through their music, through their lyrics, right? Through uh, the, the, what, they, what they composed. Wisdom psalms are, are another one, very good. Uh, these ones um, refer to uh, different types of, of lessons that, that can be gleaned, uh, whether in life or especially in relationship to God. Sometimes there's talk about like how to deal with enemies uh, and the like. Royal Psalms, yeah, uh, there is uh, attributions to kingship um, and uh, uh, it's talking, sometimes it talks about um, uh, Jesus as king, right? It's, it's, pre, it's a precursor to that. A lot of them are within the royal court. Thanksgiving is another good one, right? Where specific answers to prayer or specific deliverances by God is, uh, is um, there's a, an expression of gratitude. Lament is also an excellent one. Lament is where there is a sense of sorrow or um, kind of difficulty, even despair where the psalmist will pour out his or her heart before God and before people. These were meant to be uh, uh, sung and, and kind of performed even. And so it was kind of a, an expression um, of that, right? And any others? There's a couple of others that are interesting. Is uh, imprecatory a category? Yes, if can if you could de define imprecatory for us, uh, and I don't know exactly, but it's just like psalms that are, um, uh, I guess, of sort of you're saying something against, or you know, you want something bad to happen to other people. So I forget which one it was, but like a psalmist says, like may their teeth be smashed or something like that, but that kind of thing. Right. An imprecation is a curse, right? So it, it's, a, it's a, a prayer that asks God often to deal with, deal harshly with an enemy, right? And some people are, are offended by, by these psalms, but I find them very, very fascinating because to me, David is doing exactly what he should be doing. He's being honest and he's turning to God instead of taking you know, matters into his own hand. He's not, he's not being violent. He's, it, it's, he's not being a vigilante. He's lifting up to God uh, in prayer and in, in praise, request, asking God to, to act, right? Others have uh, suggested Moses as a genre of psalm. I think he's talking about an author. Yes, there are, I think, a couple attributed to Moses, uh, some famous ones. I think that might help us understand some psalms are historical, right? Sometimes they recount, you know, the Exodus or the Passover or what God has done for the Israelites. So, David Chang says complaining, right? Um, okay, yeah, that, I'm not sure that's a, a formal type, but there's certainly uh, a, a lot of, uh, of venting, right? Uh, some of that is maybe related to the lament, so that's good. Oh, is a LOL kind of 
uh, psalm, right, where it's uh, rejoicing, repentance. Good. Uh, we're going to do some of those as well. Uh, rejoicing and repentance. Um, how about the messy group? Can you guys come up with uh, the last type of psalm that would be could be mentioned? Somebody from the messy group guess the last type. Argentinian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, per, uh, before I forget to the messy group, uh, the prophetic psalms. There's some that you know are prophetic. It's actually related to to messy. Anybody? Your messianic psalms, right? That would have been that, Miri. They would have won first place if they had said our name is messianic, right? There you go. See, I should have been in that group. All right, so that's just a, a kind of an overview um, of that. Um, there, uh, most Bibles will give five sections, five books. So apparently the Psalms were divided into five books. And if you're interested, it's 1 to 41, 42 to 72, 73 to 89, 90 to 106, 107 to 150. Uh, you can have that in your Bible. You can look it on the web. I don't know why the group is grouped like that. All, all I know is that after each book is ended, there's a doxology, right? A glorification, a praise of God and stuff. So that's not big for me. Like, I'm not going to talk about what, I don't think there's any clear content that I'm aware of within each of these books, right? Uh, you didn't hear from me and turn off the recording or delete this part, but it seems random. Okay, then um, we're going to look at uh, Psalm 13. Well, let me just kind of give a, an idea of how I want to approach these Psalm studies. Uh, you know, I think I, as you guys know, I, I tend towards like trying to understand the text and be like analytical, even like kind of break it down and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But to me, the Psalms are more um, kind of uh, expressive, right? They're experiential. They're deeply personal. They're musical, right? They're musical. So it's like, you know, and I do this like Beatles songs all the time. I try to break it down and try to analyze it and stuff. But I feel like that kind of isn't quite what a psalmist is not looking for necessarily always literal truth, right? Some of it's metaphorical. Some of it is emotional. Some of it is uh, hyperbolic, right? So uh, I don't want to... Uh, uh, kind of analyze it, it, it too much for us. It's not even usually very episodic, meaning that we don't know the exact circumstances each time. Sometimes we can kind of, you know, discern it or divine it, but um, usually it's general. And I feel like that's what makes it powerful because just like a song might have some historical reasons or some fact, some, something based in fact, it might be about a girl named Jenny or something who knows but it touches the heart right and you can bring it into your life even if you don't know anybody named jenny but you relate to the the music you relate to the the tenor the sentiment uh, uh the, the 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 kind of the feelings and the and the the sense of what it's trying to uh, communicate so um we will do uh, some kind of 
looking at the passage, uh, but we will also um, spend some time in the breakout rooms. Sorry, Matt, for not telling you in advance, or maybe Miri could do the breakout room setting uh, where we try to kind of absorb what it's saying. And then, you know, if it, if we can, you know, share from connect our life, connect our situation, connect our history, connect our testimonies to what the Psalm says, I'm wondering if we might get even more blessed. Okay. So that's kind of the general uh, format. So if you could, we're going to start with Psalm 13 today. And as, um, uh, Galicia mentioned, it's a tip, it's typically considered a song of lament. It's a, a psalm that expresses uh, David's uh, sorrow and his crying out. So if someone could read that out for us, Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Okay, thanks, Margie. I actually messed up. I didn't mean to describe what the psalm is until I got some first impressions from you. Even though you kind of know uh, like what I categorized it as. Any real fast uh, first impressions? Um, is this a happy psalm? Is it a sad one? Uh, what, just by reading it, hearing it read, looking at it, just quick thoughts. Well, not very happy. I mean, he's been waiting for a long time, it looks like. And uh, probably uh, struggling or suffering for a long time. Great. And so, yeah. Matt, if you could cue the song, uh, that'll be next. Other uh, quick uh, gut reactions? It does end on a on a more like upward note. Yeah. yeah. It kind of feels like it's getting pretty low, but then in the end, I guess like you mentioned earlier, like the doxology is on like more of a higher note. Awesome. Anyone else? Okay, let's ask Brian Dorkson what he thinks about this song. Um, because it's uh, melody and song, we're gonna. I'm gonna. We're trying. I'm gonna try to uh, play at least one song that uh, takes the lyrics and um, puts it into more uh, a modern setting. All right, 
Um, what are your responses, impressions, reactions? It was nice hearing it being sung, um, but I I must say I was a little. Um, it, it, I, I it lost me with the electric guitar. I think if they lost the electric guitar part, I, I think I would like it a lot better. I just don't I don't read the Psalm thirteen with the electric guitar in mind. That's all. Good. Another person. I thought it was interesting. Um, probably not the melody that David would have sung in his day and age, um, but um, the the actually the video is really distracting. I feel like maybe next time just do the audio and not the video. <laughs> no offense, um, but can I just, Pastor Daniel, you chose this, right? You like Sir? I chose it. I I barely know Brian Dorkson. We we haven't we haven't had coffee in a while. So, but Ed chose it, and I agree with you. The first time I saw it, I go, "Oh, this is not Psalm 13. This is some mutation." But this time I looked at it again, and I actually uh, have a quite a bit to to respond. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say it. Just it reminded me of like, like um, I don't know if like it's like Korean tirotu trot. Like, so yeah. I was like, did Pastor Daniel choose this? Is this his taste of music? I don't even know what a trot is, uh, first of all. And, and it's like uh, a Korean, like more like. No, I, when Ed and I embarked on, he, you know, he's, he and I are doing the Columbia, uh, the Columbia and NYU on Fridays. And uh, he, he, he's, uh, he said he would find all the songs. So blame him. Other reactions? Um, Less less so than than kind of what distracts. Is there anything like wow? I thought he captured this or uh, that came through. Me, I was thinking of Marge and Young and Chelsea, our our musicality folk. That you, there might be something that you found. I don't know, connectable. I like the symbols and the electric guitar and all that. I think it really symbolizes or it really kind of exhi exhibited some of that like struggle <laughs> when he's banging on those things. Uh, I mean, the video was distracting, even though you don't want to wait. I mean, I, we were trying to figure out if there was the same guy all the way in the bottom. But um, uh, I mean, the, the electric guitar, I, I like that rendition, you know, where, yeah, it, it just kind of, I mean, the psalm to me is like, you know, the guy's just hanging on and he's just, you know, he just got to hang on to the one thing that he knows that the God is good. And, and but he's just struggling and hurting. And and so that that uh, that rendition kind of helped me a little bit. Yeah, that's, you know, I think it's, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it sounded like is it minor chords in the beginning. I don't know. It sounded like minor chords. And then that guitar riff, actually, that that could have been in the beginning a, a little bit. It reminded me of a Harry Chapin song I like where he's it's Cats in the Cradle. right? You guys know that where it was kind of a modern version where they 
where he's regretting that his son is now has no time for him and has grown up just like him. And they have this long bass riff that just like, it just breaks your heart because you know that he has, he totally taught his son the wrong things, right? Uh, and, and it's it, it's like a groan, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, as, and if, if that's what Tony's talking about, you know, I, I seem, I, I, I picked that up uh, through watching it again. But you're right. They all had, they're all bald with glasses and beards, right? White goatees. That's the cool look, I guess. That's oh, this might be a bit. Go ahead, Steph, sorry. I was gonna say, this might be a little bit over musical theory-esque <laughs> or read too much into it. But I like the fact that there was both a harmony and a melody line because uh, the two women's voices suggest that like, we all can feel like this, like have different feelings of this, I don't know, regret or, or, or loneliness, or I don't know what, what to call it per se, but that it sounds different and it may feel different, but that it's kind of the same. Like we're all, you know, feeling that separation, that like sadness. I don't know, maybe that's too much, but. No, anything goes uh, in, our, in our analysis, our, our response. Yeah, Steph's good at music. Diana, why? Uh, you know, she's like the lead's praise and Linda Moon is hiding behind her moon picture, so. Actually, quite a few people are good with music. Someone who is not me in this room um, said that the uh, the first half of the song was in minor, like you said, which is typically used for like sadder track, uh, like a sadder like a sadder tone, and then the and then the the second half was in a major key, which is typically resolves better and more joyful. Um, it's yeah, and we've we've had, we've actually some so other songs that do a similar uh, motif, like. Um, Last Christmas, one of the songs we sang was uh, "He Has Come for Us." God rest the yet merry gentlemen. The hymn is gen uh, is traditionally in a minor is it is in a minor key, um, but then the, there was a chorus added by by uh, what's her name? Uh, Meredith Mary Andrews. Andrews, who added uh, like a like a more directly praising God, um, uh, like a major key chorus. So. Um, yeah, so at least that part of the musicality is on point. Thank you for that learned uh, <laughs> exposition. Awesome. You know, you know that part where you know they, they go to verse five, right? Still, and R says, "But I trust." But still, and then they slow it down. It's just the women's voices. That was appealing to me too. The first time I go, oh, why are they doing that? But like this time around, I don't know, maybe I'm feeling the psalm a little bit more this week than, you know, when when we looked at it, like, you know, we looked at it about a month ago in, in CK, CCK. Uh, anyway. Anyone else want to chime in? I wasn't sure if I liked how it went back to minor when they said to me. But then thinking about it, I like it because I feel like that's how it feels. Like the minute you stop reiterating to yourself the assurances um, and the truth, like those worries, especially when you're in that low point, just come back. So like, I kind of like that. I don't know if that was intentional, but I find that that kind of echoes how my mind works when I'm in that kind of space. Chelsea, low. That's like musical, psycho, theological, like comment. 
Awesome. You're like that. You're musical, psychological, and theological. Is this being recorded? All right. Thank you, everyone, for uh, um, um, thinking through that. Um, let me give a few minutes to the psalm itself, and then I want to go to our breakout rooms. But uh, if we were to try to kind of exposit or structure the psalm for understanding maybe verses one and two, uh, we could group those as kind of lament and despair. Um, there's that amazing and powerful and poignant you know, phrase, how long, right? How long? Uh, you know, that's very Habakkian, Habakkukian, right? Habakkuk uh, raised the same lament. Uh, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, a, over the ages, right? Many have called upon God and, and, and it's his, his um, the fact that he's not doing anything for so long that is uh, some of the most painful aspects. Uh, David um, sees that, feels like God has uh, forgotten or abandoned him, forsaken him, uh, even that he has hid his face, right? So uh, it's a picture of David who has sought God for an extended period of time, and yet God is silent, right? The fancy term, Latin term is Deus absconditus, right? God who absconds, who is hidden. Uh, and Job felt it. Um, so many so many um, great heroes of the faith. And I'm sure at some time in your life, maybe now, right? Maybe COVID, right? How long will COVID last, right? Even with vaccines and, and, and the Delta variants, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's, it, it, it hits home, I think, right? When we have um, cried out to God, when we've reached out to him, but he has, it's seemingly not, cared for us in response he's not reciprocated first two i really love that phrase wrestle with my thoughts yeah when god is not there when god is not uh responsive when he's ghosting us right hey, that's a good term when god ghosts you um the alternative sucks right you're in your own head you're trying to figure things out logically, rationally, kind of trying to explain things, but nothing makes sense, right? This, you know, reason fails. Are you seeing this? Rebecca is trying to FaceTime me. Oh my gosh. These phones, these, these cameras and phones. I have Bible study, Rebecca. Are we being recorded? Um, you know, Dave, David is, uh, uh, you know, in his own head. And have you guys experienced that, that sense of, you know, pain and kind of like imprisonment when one thought leads to another thought, but it's a dead end. So you backtrack and you go in a different direction. Door is closed. You go another way. You fall down, trap door, another one. You know, you're, you're, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a maze of darkness and sorrow and confusion. And I think that's where uh, David is uh, as he is uh, going through um, uh, all of these hardships uh, in, in his own heart, right? Uh, experiencing this. Uh, verses uh, three to four, I would say, is kind of, 
uh, a desperate call, a plea, a challenge, right? Um, David says, um, look on me, right? He, uh, even despite the situation being that God has not yet answered and it doesn't look like he's going to, I'm blessed that David sticks to it. Right? Even though God is, in a sense, the cause of the situation and in a sense, he is the reason why David is so sorrowful because you know it's like insult to injury, right? Let's say somebody put David in a bad situation, but the fact that God is not helping him makes it even worse, right? But the fact that he um, goes to him again and again, and even, I don't know, almost like issues this kind of, you better look on me, right? You better help me, right? Or I'm going to die. Right? David, once again, right, turns to God. God is his only hope, right? Maybe he even throws in this, like, my enemy, right? He's trying to maybe stir God's sense of zeal and, and protectionism, right? God is your responsibility to protect me against my enemies and my foes, but you're, you're failing, you're messing up, so you better do something. It's, it's a very personal, it's very knowledgeable, right? It's a very direct kind of uh, plea and a cry uh, to God that God would turn his attention, that he would open, not, o- not only direct David's eyes, but also open his eyes, enlighten uh, God's eyes. I mean, enlighten David's eyes. And then the, I guess a turning point is um, verses five and six, right? I don't know if there's a turning point. Let me say that it's actually kind of David's confession of faith, right? Even though God is silent, right? David knows he has nowhere else to turn. And so it's almost like he's praising God in advance, right? That he confesses that he, he knows God will answer in, in time and that he will not let him uh, fall. He will not let him break, right? Irretrievably. Uh, he anticipates the unfailing love, the salvation, right? Um, in the end, Right, he ends on a positive note, a crescendo of uh, he has been good to me. Right, God's goodness uh, is something that David cannot uh, ultimately uh, deny. Right, uh, so it's not like I said a uh, analytical, logical kind of analysis. It's it's something that David feels viscerally. Uh, maybe it's from the reservoir of previous ways in which God has shown him, shown himself to be uh, faith, God has shown him to be faithful and loving to David. And so he um, finds that, that inner strength, that even though uh, circumstances has not, have not yet changed, he will uh, end in faith. So it, it is, um, Kind of uh, um, like I said, we, we most scholars will, will categorize it as a lament or despair, and yet you know David puts a Christian twist on it, right? Um, even though he is going through, still going through such a hard time, um, he does not he does not end up cynical. He does not end up whatever suicidal. He does not give up. Right? He knows that the only, the only answer, the only deliverance is uh, found uh, in God.
So um, in the breakout rooms, I invite you to, you know, maybe you can talk about the psalm or if you are willing to share maybe a, a period or a situation where you felt like God was just too quiet, that God wasn't helping and you, you had to, um, you, you know, you're drowning in, in your, in your, in your tears and in your problems. Um, how did you get out of it? Did you get, maybe you're, you haven't got out of it. Um, maybe there are experiences of, there you go. Maybe there are times when you, um, like almost issued a, a challenge to God and say, if you don't help me, you know, my life is over. And, and, and what happened? What was the outcome of that? Right? Or I think Chelsea was kind of talking about this, the, the way in which we continue to walk with us. Sometimes um, we need to be reminded of, of this uh, faithfulness of God. And we need to, um, even before receiving uh, the request that we have, the the the, uh, the recourse or the remedy, right? My heart is already changed. Um, if there are testimonies of that, uh, I invite you to share that with uh, others in the breakout room. So it's nine forty-two. Let's go to ten o'clock. Automatically, uh, uh, try to close in prayer in your breakout rooms. And then we'll be back at 10 o'clock automatically to, yeah, to get back together.